Broadcasting live from Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, it's Contemporary Inc. with your host, Bill Blair. Your Lorcana podcast. You'll have to excuse me, it's actually kind of noisy here, what with all the screaming. I tried to get away from the rush and the clatter of all this excitement, but every single door in this town of Tumbleweed seems to be locked. Never mind, we've got cards to talk about. I don't know if you if, if you, you go on Reddit, but uh, I do, and I've sort of used the internet as a, a sounding board for the ideas and things that I, I want to bring to the community. I know that one person's experiences can be rather insular, and I thought that getting to know other people online who you know, want to play and are having the same sort of trials and tribulations that I'm having uh, might benefit the podcast. So I started asking myself, what kinds of things can't I learn just by simply observing? How am I doing a disservice to the community by not actively participating in the discussion? I brought a relatively simple, in, in my mind, request to uh, Reddit last week, and I thought I'd just share some of my results. Now, you may remember from the last week, I was trying to put together a deck that fit into what my 30-year-old Magic the Gathering brain thought a Lorcana deck should look like. And I kind of got this realization that I didn't understand how the game worked and the best way to play as I tried to shoehorn my ideas into the game mechanics I kept losing and losing and losing and even though I was modifying the deck it didn't seem to ever help so I thought instead of learning from my own mistakes why don't I take the lead from some people who are actually really good at this. Why don't I ask the, the Reddit forum for uh, examples of really good decks, not just good decks, but the best decks. And then I could play them on Pixelborn without having to, you know, source all the cards myself. And surely they would be on the Dreamborn uh, dot ink list of decks. The responses that I got from from Reddit weren't necessarily the most helpful, and maybe I my interpretation of this is skewed by you know what I was expecting versus what people were reacting to my uh, my initial post. I think people just sort of assume that you have no idea what you're talking about when you post on the internet. So several of the responses were just explaining how the website works. And I think, you know, we've already discussed that we know how the website works. So those were, you know, well-intentioned, but not very helpful. Uh, one person did point out that tournament results often have the deck list included in them and that uh, that might be an interesting place to start and we'll table that because I that is something that I that I actually thought was a good idea uh, one commenter mentioned that dreamborn doesn't actually have filters for timing so a lot of the decks that got a lot of positive attention 
three months ago are still listed as being, you know, very high on in the ratings, whereas decks that have been made more recently that have sort of learned from the community's playing of the game might have fewer votes, even though they are, you know, theoretically better decks. So I took this initiative and the idea that newer decks from tournaments would be a good place to start, and I found the PPG Lorcana Miami 1K, which doesn't seem to have a lot of documentation on the internet other than this list of winning decks. And uh, I was able to transcribe all of those winning decks. Now, these are from like a couple of weeks ago, so I'm sure other people have done the same thing. But I, I copied them all over to Dreamborn and then copied all that over to uh, Pixelborn. So now I can play the decks that the winners use to lose game after game uh, against strangers online. What's my goal here? Well, that's kind of... A tangled mess. Uh, the missus doesn't necessarily want to interact with the TCG aspects of the game. So she's not interested in running after cards and making a collection. She just wants a turnkey operation that she can sit down, shuffle, and play. And I find that very noble, albeit uh, requiring a certain amount of tailoring by a third party, me in this case, to make sure that the experience is as seamless as possible. We had a, 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 a blessed event this, this past week when on Friday, my second starter deck actually showed up in the mail. I was able to find an Instagram seller who was selling singles and they had bought the starter decks to just strip the cards out of the booster packs they had no need for all the commons and foil cards and so they sent me the uh, sealed up little tissue paper package in the mail and it was 15 bucks so i actually lost out a little bit uh, not getting that booster pack but you know what? I think in this era of scarcity, uh, just a couple extra bucks to actually have something in your hot little hands is probably worth it. And it wasn't that bad of a deal. So we were able to dry run actually having cards in our hot little hands. And it seemed enjoyable. You know, there's a visceral quality to actually having that cardboard wedged between your fingers. Though the missus did say that the the Pixelborn version lets you easily view your cards and your opponent's cards in a way that the physical game doesn't, meaning she was constantly asking me, what does Ursula's Cauldron do and what is evasive again? I particularly enjoyed using D6 dice to represent the, the hit counters on the cards. I thought that was pretty neat. I've got some fun dice. But that being said, we kind of missed the elephant in the room last week. It was, you know, pretty late in the weekend. We usually post on the weekends for those of you that are listening during the week. But uh, it was pretty late in the weekend and the news had been out for a couple of days that 
the Floodborne expansion has been announced. And I don't know if it, you've seen these cards. They look absolutely amazing. The new play mechanics, the new art, they really underplayed the potential for Lorcana with this first release. I cannot wait to get my hands on these new cards. And the first thing I did when I heard that the release date was November 17th, so soon, with a wide release on December 1st, but November 17th, and the cards, I immediately called my local game store. And then I called, uh, you know, down the street too, because, wow, I want these and I want to make sure I can get a couple. Uh, I was able to reserve a couple of the starter decks at the store a couple towns away, and I'm really excited. Before we get started taking a, a, a deeper look into what's actually going to be available here, let's just remind ourselves that August 18th, the release date for the first chapter, was really only like six weeks ago. And the, this announcement is ridiculous that you're going to send out a, a second chapter uh, so quick when you can't even fulfill the orders for the first one. I think I'm, I'm completely justified in being a little upset about this announcement. I want to be out there breaking boxes with you guys, not celebrating getting a single uh, starter deck in the mail. Let's just hope that Ravensburger gets their act together. I mean, I, I'm literally just standing here waiting to give them my money. Anyway, some of the Disney properties that are going to get showcased here include Winnie the Pooh, Princess and the Frog, The Jungle Book, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, The Great Mouse Detective, Pinocchio, Zootopia, and Raya and the Last Dragon. I'm not much for Raya and the Last Dragon, so... You'll have to excuse me if I uh, don't get really excited about that one. What I am excited about is this Winnie the Pooh card. Have you seen it? It's a five ink card for a five five Winnie the Pooh. And, you know, he only he only quests for two, but he's dreamborn. He's a hero and he's a sorcerer. So he fits into the same mold as that uh, as that Mickey wayward sorcerer. The illustration on this is next level. I can see why they've decided to include it on card backs, play mats, and probably t-shirts and just about everything else. I don't know if the 5 for a 5-5 five five is that great of a deal, but I could definitely see this being a, a staple of a lot of decks. There's a Tiana card that looks absolutely stunning. She's done up for uh, a masquerade and uh, for for four non-inkable she comes in at a one four she's resistant to damage which is an interesting new play feature that i'm really excited about so every time she's dealt damage she resists two of those damage she also goes questing for two and while this character is exerted and you have no cards in your hand opponents can't play actions I thought that was kind of interesting. If the Floodborne thing is got you scratching your head, then you're going to be completely flummoxed by Gaston Intellectual Powerhouse, where Gaston's dressed up steampunk style 
in front of a floating chalkboard with his plans to defeat the beast and win Bell's heart. Uh, six ink, you can't can't ink him though. Shifts for four, and when you play this character, look at the top three cards of your deck. You may put one in your hand, put the rest at the bottom in any order, and he quests for three. So, you know, nice to have around. I think probably my favorite bit of art from all of the stuff I've seen here, including that Winnie the Pooh one, is Belle Hidden Archer. Now, she's five. With and, and again, you can't you can't anchor. I I hope that's not a a trend with these cards. Uh, she shifts for three. Okay, so you can get her out a little early. Now she quests for three, which is nice. I think the real standout here is she's dressed. Belle is dressed in like a hooded robe, like a ermine uh, lined hood, and the arrows that she has knocked into that bow are also the roses from uh, the, the the Beast's whole rose thing. It's absolutely wild. This Floodborne stuff is crazy. Uh, whenever this character is challenged, the challenging character's player discards all the cards in their hand. That is absolutely bonker. Next, you've got Cinderella. And they're really pressing this thing where cinderella is like a knight in training which is great she's seven ink uh but you can anchor i guess if you wanted to she shifts for five she's resistant for two and whenever you play a song this character may challenge ready characters this turn plus she quests for three this is an absolute knockout i can see this Cinderella stout-hearted, and she's not even that that rare. I mean, she's, you know, she's got the little uh, square on there. So this is something you can get. This is going to be the backbone of several decks. I am completely stupefied by how great all of these cards look, how fun all these play mechanics are. I think that this this game's got a lot of legs on it, and I'm really excited to see where this goes. So I think the plan is I'm going to get on Pixelborn and start playing with these decks just so I can get a feel of what makes a good deck tick. Look at the metrics, look at the graphs, figure out, you know, just how many uninkable cards you can have and uh, it, do you really need four copies of Smash? I don't know. We'll figure it out. If you guys want to want to log on and and find those decks i mean they're you know I, I put them under the names of the guys who made them so you know i'm not taking credit for this here but if you want to play with them too get back to me i think this is going to be super cool just catching up on some old business here i cannot believe what's happening with these d23 cards on ebay i know it's been a while since we've looked at these numbers uh, I don't know if this is a many sewed, if that even matters anymore. But uh, the the Captain Hook, Fierceful Duelist, the one from D23 back in almost a year ago now, at a PSA 10, that's mint condition, you're looking to pay $2,000 for that Captain Hook. Robin Hood is coming in a, a little bit more at $2,100. 
uh, Maleficent. Now, I, I think people are just impressed by how big that dragon is, but uh, she's coming in at $3,100. Cruella, uh, you know, no, no less useful in the game, $2,300. Stitch, however, valued at $3,300. Now, that card was sold, again, in a pack of six, for 50 bucks one year ago, the Mickey card was given out as a promo to everybody that went up to the booth to grab one. And that Mickey card at a PSA 10, $3,200. I know what you're waiting for. Everyone's favorite, Elsa, Snow Queen. What's she been up to? She's been up to about $7,000 for, you know, a very nice card. Uh, if you want to buy a box of booster packs, 24 boosters, the box MSRPs for $144, but if you can find one on eBay with free shipping, you're looking to pay between $360 and $400 for the pleasure of opening up all 24 of those packs. They, they, they say that there's going to have more availability in the future that you're going to be able to score some score some some cards uh coming up but i don't know you know i'll believe it when i see it these numbers say scarcity is real as we as we say ashes to ashes funk to funky we know mr toads a junkie <laughs>